If you are saving for a down payment to buy a home, you may be able to drop your savings goal from 20% to less than 5%. Ameris Bank offers a wide variety of loan solutions with low and no down payment options. With a quick consultation, the man, the myth, Stuart Wingo, loan officer at Ameris Bank, can help you determine which option best fits your financial needs and gets you into your dream home. If you're looking for a variety of products, competitive rates, and exceptional service, call Stuart Wingo at 803-319-1777. You can also check him out online, amerisbank.com slash Stuart Wingo. Save thousands of dollars today by simply calling Stuart Wingo at 803-319-1777. You'll be glad that you did. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. It is another installment of J.C. and Morgan. He's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network, and welcome to Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we had, uh, and we're still going to do uh, another pod this week. We normally don't do two in one week, but we've already got a good guest lined up, and we, we've had a great array of guests. And uh, when we have him on, uh, we'll talk about SEC Media Days in terms of the actual uh, coaches speeches um the actual storylines about teams and everything else about the upcoming season as we encroach on fall practice but there this story is just too big to kind of include in that it, it's it's kind of like you got if this was uh i don't know 2005 and you had Seinfeld opening up for Carrot Top. Like, you just, you you can't do that. Like, it's not fair to Carrot Top, who's talented in his own way. Mm. Uh, But but we we had a Seinfeld-like bomb dropped this past week. And, uh, JC, I was on vacation. Uh, We went to Maine and Boston. You know, I've got all good stuff I can tell you about that trip, but that's for another time because we're going to keep this short and sweet and talk about what happened. But you texted me kind of the first link of the story, and I'd I'd seen it somewhere else. I'm like, you know, I'm on vacation. I can't can't do a whole lot of work separating fact from fiction right now. And, you know, this this stuff comes – you're in that world more than I am. I mean, you see it coming through on all the – the the 24-7 websites, and a lot of good information comes out, and quite frankly, a lot of purely conjecture that never pans out comes out. So this comes out, and you you piqued my interest because I saw the source. Then I saw Ross Dellinger, who hadn't missed on much. Then I saw Feinbaum talking about it, and it was like, holy bleep, this is going down. Tell me the reaction uh, for you personally, not to mention all the people – within your uh, fraternity at, at 247, not to mention all the people uh, on Big Spur, uh, because if you're a fan of any SEC school or Big 12 school, or quite frankly, any Power 5 school, this story could very well affect you. So what did you make of all the commotion? Yeah, it's it's been the talk of uh, the sports world. Uh, it, it's interesting that, you know, we, we had the summer last summer where by this point we were just like, well, hopefully they play. Uh, and I think soon they, 
I think they released the schedule around this time and said it's going to be September. And, you know, we didn't have much to talk about. But, like, th- this summer, because, uh, you know, in my world, you had a stampede recruiting deal, um, you know, because that opened up June 1st. All the COVID restrictions were listed. So, it, tons of recruiting news around the country. Uh, and then that transitions right on through like a slow time before SEC media days, and that pops up. And it was just a, a normal ho-hum media days, and then all of a sudden, boom. Uh, and, you know, during this time period, Mike, between SEC media days and, uh, you know, the season start, the practice starting, uh, where you have injury stories and coaches saying things, sometimes they go viral and stuff like that. Everybody's getting ready for the season. You know, it's usually slow. I mean, this is usually the – there's not a lot of recruiting going on, that kind of thing. Part of it's in a dead period for recruiting. And, um, and then, boom, here we go. And it's been nonstop college football expansion talk uh, since then because pe- people don't want to stop with Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and if you think about it, you know, folks that were around in 2011 – there were a lot of moves that were made. You know, Maryland joins the Big Ten out of kind of out of nowhere. Rutgers joins the Big Ten. You know, you had, you know, Nebraska bolting for the Big Ten. You, you had, you know, Colorado bolting for the Pac-12, A&M, Missouri to the SEC, Louisville to the ACC. I mean, it, it was there was just a lot of movement and musical chairs that were played uh, during that time period. So, obviously – oh, yeah, and then, of course, you had the whole – Big 12, Pac-12 merger thing that was floating around out there where all the good schools in the, in the, in the Big 12 were going to go west. And um, I'm glad that didn't work. I love the Pac-12, but I'm glad that didn't work out. You know, I think, I think, the tech, I think Texas is its own thing in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it is part of the South Oklahoma's, you know, gosh, just the number of country music artists that come out of Oklahoma alone should tell you that's kind of a – an SEC area. <laughs> Rodney Carrington, my favorite, one of my favorite comics is from Oklahoma. Garth Brooks from Oklahoma. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, it, was it in, you know, was it, is it above the Mason Dixon line? Yes. But Oklahoma culturally and, and all that definitely fits. And uh, you know, it's interesting to me, um, you know, and, and when I read about it, I was like, Really? And and then I was like, well, who's reporting it? And so mm-hmm. having been in the newspaper business and uh, Brett Zwimmerman, I think that's how you say his last name, uh, Zwimmermeyer, uh, Brett from the uh, Houston Chronicle uh, broke the news uh, and, and had the story. And having been in newspapers, Mike, you know, and, 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 and certain websites, like my own website, whenever I reported anything for 24-7 sports nationally, I made daggum sure it was for multiple good sources. If not, I would, if it's on the message bar, say, this is a rumor, this is unconfirmed, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there were some reporters last time around that sort of got led around by the nose and ended up not being right. <laughs> but I looked at this, I was like, okay, this guy has not been out there every time there's an expansion issue, writing blogs and, and speculating. This guy is a, just a, regular old reporter that got some info and the Houston Chronicle is going to double and triple check this before they embarrass themselves because newspapers have enough trouble with credibility. At least that's how most newspapers still work and with, with hard news. And this is very much so hard news. This is not editorialized. 
Uh, and so I looked at it, I was like, well, dang, that's that's the Houston Chronicle, man. I mean, you know, they 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 would have egg on their I mean they, they they, they could got go free cred. They could go out of business if they if they if they got this wrong. Was my right. fault, you know, sure. just because of interest in newspapers and things like that. So when I saw that, I was like, "There is there is something going on here." Then I was like, "Well, did somebody at A and M leak it? What's A and M going to do?" You had the reports that Texas A and M was not even involved in the discussion and made it look secret. And I have no doubt some Aggie boosters. And people that are in the know at Texas A&M were not in the know about this. I do think Texas A&M's leadership was in the in the conversation, though, because I, I just don't think the SEC works around a school member a member school like that. I think I think I think the circle was small that knew about this. Um, congratulations to Greg Sankey, and this struck me after the fact, Mike. My goodness, you, you know, college football is like a big. Uh, gossip chain you know there's a lot of gossip in, in this sport and and if you know coaches and administrators and, and people like we do you you pick up on things here and there and you dismiss 80 percent of it because 80 percent of it's just bs you know there was never an inkling of this or the 12 team playoff expansion nope until it broke so and, and who was it who was at the forefront of both of those things greg sankey Oh yeah. Um, and, and so I, what I see is is a conference commissioner who has uh, hit his stride, so to speak, as the leader of the conference and a leader in college football and a trendsetter and a tone setter in college football. Starting with the COVID situation last year, going right on through playoff expansion. Now this, uh, a guy that's really coming into his own professionally, uh, that uh, has almost transcended himself from. You know the guy that replaced Mike Slive to, wow, maybe the the, the biggest most powerful person in, in the sport. Yeah, not bad for a guy who kind of made his bones initially as the commissioner of the Southland Conference, and then was an assistant under Mike Slive. Um, you know, you went from Roy Kramer to Mike Slive to Greg Sankey, and going back, I, I've interviewed all three going back to the SEC Media Days days, and I've gotten to know Greg Sankey fairly well. Um, and the thing that impresses you about Greg is that, I mean, he would be an outstanding poker player. Hmm. You just don't, I mean, he, he knows what to say and how to say it and how to keep you in the dark. If he wants to keep you in the dark, what is amazing to me, this is like ninja type stuff. If you remember all that playoff discussion that they kept under wraps, mm -hmm. Uh, to go from four to 12, which Greg Sankey was adamant about being a four team playoff guy. If you brought up expansion to Greg Sankey early on, uh, he pretty much scoffed at it and said, four is all we need. What four is working just fine. And there are a lot of people in that camp. And therefore I never thought 12 was, you know, going to happen <laughs> anytime soon. Eight. I thought we were, we were going to head down that path one way or another. But the guy that he was meeting in secret, one of them, along with Swarbick and um, one of the Group 5 commissioners, I just forgot who, if it was the Mountain West or the Sun Belt, but they were talking about the playoff expansion when none of us, quite frankly, knew they were doing it, right? They were doing it, for the most part, almost like a clandestine mission. At the same, so there's Sankey and Bowlesby, 
talking mm. about, hey, hey, Bob, what do you think about going to 12? Well, you know what, Greg? I think I think we can make this work. How do you want to do it? How about the top six conference champions and the top six? Uh, yeah, I think we can make that work. Uh, hey, you up for uh, grabbing a couple drinks? Yeah, sure. What's uh, What hotel are we at? Um, now, Greg Sankey and the SEC are responsible for taking their two most prized possessions in Texas and Oklahoma. And Texas and Oklahoma have been, I mean, if they have paper mache that league together with those two schools, because without them, we've always known the Big 12 is not the Big 12. Um, so Commissioner Sankey was able to do all this without the people knowing about any of this. And I have to assume Bob Bowlesby did not know that they were, uh, you know, there were t- intense discussions between the three, Oklahoma, Texas, and the SEC. I, otherwise, Bob Bowlesby already would have been, I mean, you wouldn't get caught flat-footed. And I'm not taking a shot at Bob Bowlesby here. Let me just make that abundantly clear. I don't think this is Bob Bowlesby's fault. Here's what I can tell you. And, and look, I am, I am an unabashed uh, SEC guy. I don't like using the word homer because it's not my job uh, to, to be a homer. Um, I, I, I call games that now that, you know, we, we don't care who wins. We just want a good game, et cetera, et cetera. But I do, you know, I, I, the SEC, I'm dyed in the wool SEC. Uh, and I've always uh, championed this conference. I, I'm obsessed with the history of the league. Uh, I went to an SEC school. My family went to a different SEC school. I called games free at another SEC school, SEC, SEC, SEC. But I'm glad and I cherish the four years I got to do calling uh, Big 12 football on Fox because if nothing else, it gave me perspective that I wouldn't otherwise have. Uh, so I was, you know, I went to those Dallas media days and I, and I've called games at every, uh, big 12 school. Uh, and I know what those fan bases are like, and I know the culture of big 12 football. And, and I remember nine years ago being at my first big 12 media days. And it was me and my analyst and Laura Rutledge was our sideline reporter. And, uh, we met with all the coaches and, you know, Mac Brown of Texas was the big shot and Gary Patterson, you know, TCU is kind of the new kid on the block along with West Virginia, which didn't fit then, doesn't fit now. And mm-hmm. they're probably trying to desperately get into the ACC. Um, but, but what I, what I remember most is the big, there was like this, you could feel the collective exhale, like whew, we dodged the bullet. Mm-hmm. The Titanic was sinking and some, and this was before Bowl, uh, Bowlesby, uh, the commissioner that was kind of there to uh, uh, bridge the gap. And his name just, uh, Ninus, his name just eluded me. Anyway. Chuck, uh, yeah, Chuck, uh, Chuck Ninus. Yeah. <clears throat> so they, they were just celebrating that, look, we know that we almost collapsed, but we did everything we had to do. And they bent over backwards to give Texas and Oklahoma to stay. Otherwise, the Big 12 was done. Now, they had to, when I say bend over backwards, it's a unique situation. They get, in addition to the Longhorn Network, both those schools get much more the piece of the pie than the other eight. But everybody knows, hey, for, for the sake of survival, we're going to forego equity. And that's what they've done now for the past decade. But there was this feeling like, ah, oh, we can relax now. But I've never felt like they could totally relax because every time I've been to Austin, there's always this this feeling, this vibe they give off like, 
you know what? We don't need the Big 12. We could do our own thing. We could be an independent. The Pac-12 wanted us. The Big 10 might want us. Uh, the SEC, we, they would certainly listen to us. The ACC, it's, there's always that feeling. And so to me, there's always been an uneasy feeling about the future of the Big 12. And I always thought that we were heading toward a four super conference situation, 16 apiece. That gives you 64 with Notre Dame. And that's where we might be heading now. We'll get into the Big 12 uh, ramifications later. Does it sink or swim? But I, I think the jumping off point for me, JC, is what does this mean for the Southeastern Conference? Uh <sighs> I, I, for me, it's a slam dunk. Like I can't find many negatives. I I will say this. I was on a show in Charleston today and uh, a lot of those fans there, of course, are Gamecock fans. And maybe you've, you've seen this on your boards uh, at bigspur.com in that if you're the middle of the SEC, if you're the middle of the pack, who are we talking about here? Well, shoot. We're talking about some pretty good programs, whether it's South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, Kentucky. Uh, I'd throw Auburn in there for now. I mean, okay, right yeah, now, I'll go with I that. Mean, sure, sure. They, because uh, the, They're up and down, but yeah. They're up and down. I mean, because the elite, we know it, it, it's Alabama. It's, it's usually LSU. It's Georgia. It's usually Florida. Uh, although they, they've been up and down. And then yeah. now Texas A&M is now trying to enter that that upper tier. In yeah, the but th- yeah, there's a lot of middle of the pack uh, right. the in, middle in of that the- scheme. And they're some of the best in college football program-wise, but yeah, they're middle right. of the pack. Yeah, you, know, you could be middle of the pack of the SEC and still be you know 10th in the country some years. That's that's the beauty of this league. But But the concern from some fan bases might be, well, shoot, we're not winning SEC championships now. How the hell are we going to do it with Texas and Oklahoma added to our schedule? I get that, but my point is, look, <clears throat> if you are, if you haven't been winning them for the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and, and FIFO agrees with me, that's red, actually. Um, that's JC's dog. Baxter's being nice and quiet. Thank you, Bax. Um, but I, I, if you haven't been like a regular in Atlanta before, the salute that, you know, by adding two teams, it's not hurting you per se. The league is only going to become stronger. The money is only going to become better. Uh, the scheduling is going to be, it, it, we're not even talking about what this does for basketball and baseball. It enhances both of them greatly. I might add um, the SEC network. Obviously it's a win-win for the TV network. Uh, it puts every other conference uh, in, in a tough spot, a lot of anxiety, perhaps. And you protect yourself because the rumor was Texas and Oklahoma, if they didn't go to the SEC, they were going somewhere. So how do you make sure that you maintain your elite status if you're the SEC? Well, you just grab them before anybody else does. So I, I can't think of many negatives to me. I, I, I think this is just positive upon positive upon positive now if you're in big 12 country i get it it's not positive at all but if, if you're a fan of an sec school then to me this is like another christmas present early do you agree or disagree i i agree to a certain extent I, you know everybody gets freaked out and they're like oh my god it's the fourth most winning and sixth most winning program in the history of college football nobody's won more in the sec outside of Alabama than Oklahoma and Texas. They're iconic brands. 
this is going to bury everybody else, blah, 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 blah. But, but what have people have to realize? First of all, when you're talking about competitiveness, and that's really what fans focus on. Fans aren't focused on money. Um, they're not – they should be because that that's kind of what allows you to be more and more competitive. Uh, <laughs> fans aren't focused on money or TV deals or – you know, what's, believe it or not, what's best for the league, you know, uh, they're, they're worried about their own little program, their own program and the, their success, you know, and you start talking about adding those two teams in on top of it. And if you are a South Carolina or Kentucky or somebody like that, you're, or, or Ole Miss, you're like, good Lord, you know, Arkansas. But, but what I found is, you know, different fan bases have different, takes you know the a&m people were were very upset you know, i get it, that it, it seems that i get <laughs> the, and the fans i think are still a little salty yeah but but i mean like okay so here's how this a&m thing went down we are going to protect we like being the only sec team in texas we're going to protect it they send out an email saying their board of regents or whoever's going to meet to discuss uh, conference contracts and litigation and all this, you know, and you're like, oh, crap, they're going to fight this thing, right? And then the next thing you know, they released Ross Bjork, the, the, the very good athletic director at A&M and, and their school president and whoever released a statement saying, well, we knew this day may come and, you know, we've been in 10 years and we feel like we're leading the pack and blah, 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 blah. Just basically saying, all right, it's okay now. <laughs> and I think they got in that meeting, Mike, rubble, 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 you know, like hamburglar, uh, <laughs> rubble, 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 rubble. And then all of a sudden the conversation got to money and they're like, rubble, rubble. Can you say that again? How much? Rubble, rubble. Uh, how much again? Well, it looks like we're going to be playing Texas on Thanksgiving night again really soon. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, it, it, it just stopped. Can I tell you another part of that conversation, how yeah. I think it went as well? Sure. Because because AM and Texas aren't exactly hurting for cash now. Mm-hmm. I think part of the conversation went, well, we need 11 votes. We got everybody else. Do you want to make this unanimous, or do you want to be the one program that votes no, and it, and it goes through anyway? Uh, all right, I see, I see your point there. I mean – Look, if you're A&M, whether you like it or not, I don't, I don't you, you couldn't stop it. You couldn't stop it. There, there, I don't think there – here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I know about Greg Sankey. Something like this doesn't happen unless they, they already know the votes are there. Yeah. You know what not I mean? Like, like, they don't just throw it up you know, and see it against the wall and see if it sticks. Like, well, let's just put it to a vote. And if we get the 11, great. And if not <laughs> – well, this whole thing will just we'll, – we'll say it was just a bad rumor and it goes – no, 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 no. They've had plenty of time to do their homework, plenty of time to crunch numbers, to type out scenarios and everything else. And it, it comes a point in time where you're either going to stay in the greatest league on the planet or you're going to leave. And no one in their right mind is ever going to leave the SEC. So you don't have a choice, really. Uh, uh, now, it, to your point – there's no question the money is going to be there financially. But I will say this on Texas and, and this Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. I think it's a it's lazy uh, sports talk show analysis, usually by people that do national shows that don't know much about college football and feel the need to talk about it like seven days out of the year 
when a, a story like this drops and they have to act like they really know, like they're insightful about it. Texas and Oklahoma, the main motivation for this wasn't money, especially in the case of Texas. The motivation for this is a Texas program that has watched itself dissipate over the last 11 years. Do you know in the Big 12, which is actually 10 schools, in the last 11 years, they have the seventh highest winning percentage in the league, Texas. There are six Big 12 schools that have a higher winning percentage than Texas over the last 11 years. Uh, It started with a hire that many people told you was a slam dunk in Charlie Strong. Uh, Some of us knew that was going to be very bumpy, and it was. And then, look, I think we were all wrong to some extent on Tom Herman. It wasn't a complete disaster, but it didn't live up to expectations. Uh, Recruiting, and this is more uh, your department than mine, but I I think it's safe to say going to the SEC is only going to improve it, enhance it. Uh, You you no longer, if you're a Texas uh, coach, have to hear on the recruiting trail, well, I like everything about your program. And, you know, we grew up Longhorns, but A&M's in the SEC and you're not. You don't have to hear that anymore. If it was all about the money, Texas could have just stayed, demanded one and a half shares of the pie. They would have given Texas anything they wanted. Texas could have gone into the Big 12 headquarters with a ski mask on and said, give us this, 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 and we'll stay. And just like they did last time, 10 years ago, the Big 12 would have wilted and said, anything you want, Mr. Longhorn, anything you want. So this is more than just a cash grab. That's lazy analysis. This is a Texas program that feels like they're spinning their wheels. Nothing is going right. They have more money than any other program in college athletics, and it's still not working. And when it's not working, sometimes you got to plug, kind of like your computer. When it's not working, you unplug it, you plug it back in, you reboot. And you try something different. And that's what they're doing here. And I think Oklahoma realized, say, well, you say, well, Oklahoma's winning. They're going to the playoff every other year. They haven't won a game in the playoff. Uh, they're spinning their wheels in a different way. They're not mired in mediocrity like Texas is. But Oklahoma hasn't, they haven't been able to get over the hump. So maybe being in the SEC helps them get over the hump as well. And both programs always knew that if and when they left, the Big 12 could be a sinking ship. And if and when they left, There'd be a market for them. And the moment I'll never know, and and maybe we'll never know, uh, maybe nobody will ever know, when when they really had an idea that the SEC was interested, like legitimate, we'll take you. I didn't see that coming, uh, certainly now. uh, But at the moment they found that out, it was a done deal. They were already thinking we're getting the heck out of Dodge. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, Mike, I – the history, the history here is a little fascinating. You know, I, I know a lot of people with a lot of connections to Texas, including one that, you know, I spoke with earlier this afternoon and, and it was kind of surprised that, that, that Texas specifically would make the move. You know, uh, what I always heard was the politics of the state of Texas wouldn't let them leave. And we remember, remember Governor Ann Richards, former <laughs> Governor Ann Richards and Kenneth Starr. Those are two mm-hmm. different ends of the. Right. Political spectrum there, buddy. Uh, you know, lobbied for ba- Baylor wasn't getting in the Big Twelve. Well, right. eh, no, they're getting in, you know, or whatever. Texas Tech has supposed some political clout. TCU has more money than anybody, but uh, you know, the governor of Texas is a, is a Longhorn. You know, he he would have to 
they would have to pass a law and, and then he would have to not veto it, you know? And so, so the political dynamics have definitely changed. Um, and, and the, the head of the Texas board of government, uh, board of regents, I think that's what you call it now, uh, is an old state representative who is beloved very rarely by people on both sides of the aisle in Texas. He's an East Texas guy, straight shooter, well-liked, good deal maker, so there's not a lot of people that I think want to challenge him even. Uh, and with A&M already in the league, it's not like you're going someplace with no other Texas schools. And, and what's fair for A&M has to be fair for UT, although Aggies would probably tell you different. Um, but but I had heard there were many reasons. I mean, Texas people used to throw this up at me. You know, oh, academically, they're just not a fit. Uh, you know, academics, Texas is more of a fit in the Big Ten or Pac-12. You know, okay, whatever. Uh, culturally, and the focus whenever the cultural comment would come up would be on the city of Austin, which I completely agree. But if the city of Austin is not an SEC town, then, then Nashville is not an SEC town, and maybe a couple other ones. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, college – towns or you know you'd be amazed at where college football takes place it can it could be just as magical in los angeles as it can be in starkville mississippi Mm -hmm. so i never bought that and then if you look at the longhorn fan base they're not they're they're not all living on sixth street in austin they're all (laughs) over there in east texas they're in west texas they're from houston dallas san antonio all across the great state of texas and there are a ton of them uh, and they're all passionate fans that that care deeply about their team. I mean, just the somebody shot a viral video in the Rose Bowl, um, uh, and a lot of times people from our neck of the woods compare them more to like a like a wine and cheese kind of fan base. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, th- I don't think, I don't think Texas is like that. I think that you know you probably have some just like with any successful, pro, but I think. I think they care a lot more than people give them credit for. I mean, a viral video of the Rose Bowl when Vince Young ran that touchdown and the sheer joy, I mean, it, it was rivaled any SEC program, you know, with the woohoos and yahas and eyes of Texas and, you know, da 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 I mean, it, they love, they love, point is, they are a large, passionate fan base, just like any other SEC fan base. So I didn't buy the cultural aspect oh, yeah. of it. No. I, I didn't buy any of that, academics, none of that. And uh, the final point that was made to me was they just straight up don't want any, man. They just don't want any. They don't want any part of the SEC. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I, well, and, I, and I think, in the, I think you know, in 2011 yeah. – that's fine, but you're, that, that funnels to your point about them spinning their wheels. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, I, 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 would, I would guarantee you this. None of this happens if Texas had been relevant for the last 11 years. None of this happens if Texas had been winning Big 12 championships, participating in playoffs, and maybe won another national title since the Vince Young year. None of this happens then. Because Texas had everything going for it. Like I said, they make more money than any other program. They have their own network. I mean, Notre Dame has NBC for like half a dozen home games a year. The Longhorn Network is 24-7. I mean, say what you want about it. Take shots at it. There's been jokes about the Longhorn Network since it launched. But it is nothing but an advantage for Texas. 
they have all this money. They're for, if you've been to the campus, I've been multiple times, called multiple games there and multiple sports. There is nothing lacking in Austin. And to your point, it is a cool town that no question will have an SEC vibe when that time comes. But if they were just winning, they could just, they could just sit pat. They didn't have to go anywhere. Money, money, money's fine. This is not a cash grab for Texas. That's not, to me, what this is about. This is about a program that has done everything under the sun to use its resources, which are impeccable, to be a championship program and has find its, its, itself mired in mediocrity. And when that happens, and keep in mind, some of that leadership that you alluded to, it's changed over quite a bit over the yeah. last 10 years. The old guard is gone. The new guard is forward-thinking and says, look, we're tired of hearing from a restless fan base that we've got all this resource and we're not doing anything with it. So let's let's go ahead and reshuffle the deck and let's try something different. And so here they are. But it, had Texas won, you know, had they been relevant over the last 10 years, they would have been fine. I'll tell you what, if you want to play the game of what if five years ago, and I said I wasn't critical of Bob Bowlesby, but I will be critical on this front five years ago when they had that beauty pageant, which was a colossal waste of everybody's time where they had the likes of UCF and Cincinnati and many more prominent, uh, not, not what I would call prominent, but programs that clearly could have added to that conference. And they just said after they, after every school went up there on the stage, did their juggling act, did their tap dance routine, read poetry, whatever it took to impress the big 12 and the big 12 said, yeah, we decided we're not going to take anybody. Thanks for playing, folks. Ha! That was – they could be sitting right now with Cincinnati and UCF. Would that have changed Texas and Oklahoma leaving? No, but what it would have done was at least left the Big 12 in, in a better situation for survival mode because you would have been down to 10, and now the game goes, okay, who can we poach versus who are, who are we going to have to defend being poached away from us? Uh, here's, I'll just say this. I think if you're the big 12, you cast a wide net. Cause here's the thing. If it, if it survives, you're going to be number five, no matter what. Okay. You are officially, you are granted, uh, with the exception of maybe a few really bad years in the pac 12, if they can't get their stuff together under a new commissioner, uh, you are, you have solidified yourself as number five in the power five pecking order for a long, long time. So be creative. Obviously, they're going to go after Cincinnati. They're going to go after UCF. They're going to go after some other schools that uh, are probably going to be like, oh, now you want us, huh? Now, all of a sudden, now we, we, just, had a, we just went to uh, the beauty parlor, got a makeover, and now you want to take us out to prom. Uh, that's going to happen. But I would even say don't stop there. You know, Try to get a number of other programs – that are, are kind of in the the abyss but but have potential and make it interesting think outside the box play games on wednesday night like the mac does just, just do things differently because iowa state tcu kansas um baylor like this is not going to move the needle on its own you, i i think the big 12 is just they are battling for their survival right now. 
I think it's a heck of a basketball league still, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. if, you know, you still have the national champions, the national runners up, Kansas and uh, Oklahoma State and TC. Well, TCU wasn't all that good last year, but yeah, you still got a lot of good. Ba- Iowa State's good basketball. Program. But you know as well as I, that's that's and, not what this is all about. And I'll say this on that note about the the future of the Big Twelve, Mike. It, it's. <laughs> They they better hope that the rest of the eight stays intact, you know. And, and there was a lot of speculation early on the whole thing is going to fall apart. I feel sorry. F- the team I feel sorry is the most sorry for, uh, and it's a shame because they get sixty five thousand in their stadium. Uh, they're a major state university. They've had success in athletics over the years as Kansas State because yeah. if you if you sketch it out. You know, if 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 everybody goes their separate ways and, and the Pac-12 wants to come into the Texas market, they're probably going to take Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, and Baylor. The Texas schools are probably a package deal, uh-huh. um, which which to me, if you're talking TV and you know market expansion, that'd be the best thing to happen to the Pac-12. I just don't know that they're ready for it. You know, West Virginia needs to be in the ACC, and and I'm sure if the ACC calls West Virginia. They're going to be like, how long before we can uh, we can start playing games? Yeah, um, and, and it's, it's never a good fit. West Virginia has a natural rivalry with Pitt, a natural rivalry with Virginia Tech. Uh, they don't like Virginia very much either. So I mean, it, it, it's you want to see you know, uh, and I'm not trying to offend any Mountaineer fans out there. You want to see more couches burning in Morgantown over big wins. Uh, start playing those teams again. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there was some talk because Iowa State and Kansas fit the profile for the Big Ten academically that they would be interested. I've seen some reports that say, ah, Big Ten's not really that interested in expanding right now, and that's fine. Um, you know, so, so so that's my question is that there's logical – besides Kansas State, which I think would be relative, relegated to the American or the Mountain West, uh, which sucks for them because I, I think – you know, it has that has nothing to do with level of play. They they've no. been successful. Great um, fan base too. Great great fans and all that. Um, I think that would suck. Now, if they stay together, uh, I'm calling BYU. That that was the other one. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned. Yeah, that. BYU I, for certain. You you do whatever you have to do to get them in there. There were some things last time about BYU's scheduling and stuff that were no sort of a no. Well, that's well. Yeah, the sort of a no go, but you know now, I mean, you know, you need that brand. BYU is a, a, a kind of a success story as an independent. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that you bring them into the league. That that is a we don't we don't hear about them being a big brand with a lot of fans, but they are. Um, that is that is the Mormon Notre Dame, so to speak. Uh, and I bring, they got their own TV network. Yeah. I'd bring them in tomorrow and, and yeah. say, look, man, this is your ticket to the big time because we're still going to be an autonomous five or, or whatever. And, and then, you know, you have to make a decision. Are, are you going to be a, a conference that's in the middle of the country? Or are you going to be a conference that, um, you know, goes, is all over the country. And, and, and that's interesting. Uh, I think, I think West Virginia leaving would have a little bit to do with that, but, Cincinnati obviously is there and ready. UCF has a UCF and USF have a ton of potential. Um, 
Houston, my goodness, get Houston in the league. They, they should have been Houston. there years ago. I could even see raiding the Mountain West a little bit and a little bit, you know, and and, and going after like a like a, a major flagship school and like a University of New Mexico. You know, I I think that I don't know what the TV numbers look like. I know there are a lot of Lobos fans in that state, and now with streaming and things like that, there are other considerations besides cable TV boxes. You know, you want bigger fan bases, I would think. Um, and some of those schools in the Mountain West have that. Some of them obviously don't. Um, you know, and, and, and go from there. But my first call with, well, my first call would probably be to Lincoln, Nebraska and be like, Hey, <laughs> um, Hey guys, uh, <laughs> you, you want to come back? You know, uh, and you want to actually have a chance to win league titles again. Yeah. And I, I'd kick the tires in Fayetteville, Arkansas too, but that ain't happening. Um, that uh, Arkansas now has to be happy. They get their rivalry with Texas back. They play A&M. You get to play OU. You know, they're not an outpost anymore. They're kind of in the middle of the conference. Yeah. You know? And that article has been written too. Should Arkansas leave for the big 12? And I, I thought it was happened. Yeah. Terrible. I, I didn't think, you know, I, I just, again, I, I don't see anyone, anyone with a notion of leaving the SEC. Mm-mm. I see other programs fighting to get in it. And I think there's – you remember the game of uh, musical chairs? You ever played that when you were a kid? Sure. And, and, you know, a bunch – so you start off with like 10 kids and nine chairs. And you go around and the the music stops and everybody has to sit down. And there's going to be one person, guess what, that's left without a chair. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And and, and with every round, there's one fewer chair for butt ready to sit in it. And that's the way I look at this. And I think that's the way these conferences now that that are not named the SEC. And I would say the Big Ten and the ACC are on very solid ground as well. I'm not saying they couldn't have a team or two poached. And that is certainly out there. Rumors of Virginia Tech leaving for the SEC, rumors of even Florida State. But I, I'm not going there. That That's a whole other podcast. But what I would say is that the music's going to keep going and – the Big 12, the American, they've got to be holding their breath right now. Um, and a couple of the other, you know, smaller leagues, they're, they're playing this game of musical chairs. And, and they're hoping when the music stops, they can get their fanny in a seat before they fall flat on the floor. And then they're just – somebody could very well dissolve. Yeah, I think, I, I think that uh, – the only other scenario that's out there, and this might be look pie in the sky. Um, this is like I don't know if Oliver Stone were making a movie on this. This would probably be his premise. You still got that Rose Bowl bond between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Could they possibly? And a lot of people believe they have the same DNA. They they both think that their conferences are superior academically to everybody else's. Could they merge into one super duper conference and, and whatever you call it at that point? But the Big Ten Pac 12 merger would be something to be, I mean, it's still not the SEC in terms of quality. Uh, you'd have quantity on your side, uh, but that that's out there as well as just like you'd have to have. Of course, you got a new commissioner over there in, in Pac-12 land. Nobody can pronounce his name. They don't know much about him, but he's there, and he's not Larry Scott, and that's probably a good thing for the league. Uh, and then you got the Big Ten. 
I don't know how much faith I have in Kevin Warren to pull that off, but, but you got two commissioners who are relatively new and they want to think outside the box and say, okay, SEC, you think you just stole the day? Look at what we're going to do. We're going to merge. Yeah. That's, a, that's a remote possibility, but it is out there. Jim Delaney is not walking through that door. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and, and I actually like the guy, the new Pac-12 guy, not not a lot of experience in college sports, but he's got a lot on his plate to fix, man. A lot of plate, a lot of his plate to fix. Uh, and I don't know, you know, the, the Big Ten and Pac-12 couldn't get their act together for the COVID thing. And, and they are like-minded. I mean, they kind of they kind of feed off of each other. Uh, I think maybe some sort of scheduling alliance i read about i actually read about that today where a big 10 source had told a a writer that you know that's really all that that may happen is that we schedule a certain number of cross conference games or something like that but i Mm -hmm. I, you know we'll see what happens if i'm the pac-12 i would actually be proactive for a change and maybe try to kill the big 12 off once and for all with the with the four texas school or three texas schools in oklahoma state but that'll um, do it yeah, and that would do it. But uh, and there's been interest previously in the Pac-12 expanding into that state. I'd also call Arizona State if I were the Big 12 and just kick the tires. But uh, are they going to leave? And Arizona's not leaving because of their academic profile. But are they going to leave? And Arizona, I don't know. You know, how do you break those up? But you know, there's just very few places the Big 12 or the, the, the a smaller Big 12 can now go um, without. You know, I mean, I think like BYU makes some sense mm-hmm. and stuff. But back, back, I want to talk about the competitive aspect of it too. And I don't know when this is going to happen, Mike. When, like, like when Oklahoma and Texas are going to play? Um, Matt Hayes uh, had a article today on Saturday Down South where he quoted SEC athletic director said, "Our expectation is starts in 2022." <laughs> and. Uh, there's a vote of school presidents uh, for the SEC or a, a meeting of school presidents later this week. So it, I think the uh, the uh, official invites and stuff are moving pretty quickly. Very quickly, um, yeah. Uh, and I, I do think that, that, you know, depending on money and, and buying them out, you know, of their – because they're going to owe $80 million a piece to the Big mm-hmm. 12. Um, but I also know this. It's like living in the same house with somebody when you're divorced. <laughs> you just, you know, everything from bad calls on the field and court to fans. I mean, there's just so much when they know you're leaving that can go wrong. And, right. you know, I don't know. More than a season, I don't know that that's going to happen. It's like when the Houston Oilers left Houston. They went to Memphis for a while or whatever. Anyway, uh, so I think that. But, but I think what fans have to realize is it's this. And, and, and here's the one problem that if I were any team in the SEC East, I would have a problem with. Uh, here, here would be the one scenario that I would go, what, uh, why? Uh, is, and it's a scenario that's plausible, maybe even likely. Um, it's Alabama and Auburn moving east, Missouri and the Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC West, and you have two massive eight-team divisions. Um, with nine conference games and two rotating opponents. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, support online for pods. And uh, mm-hmm. I know the SEC loves tradition, and, and I, I think they could do pods and keep all their, you know, traditional games intact um, and have a kind of a unique system where, you know, you have, 
you know, pod A, B, C, and D. All right. So in 2021, a, it's like the NFL when the NFC East is matched up with the AFC West. Well, pod A and C are going to be matched up this time, uh, you know, B and D, and then they're going to switch. And then the winner of the two pods each year gets to go to Atlanta. And then, you know, you have sort of an unpredictable thing based on a rotation where you're not going to get Georgia and Alabama every single season. And uh, you probably, well, you're not going to get Georgia and Alabama if they go to divisions. <laughs> um, and, you know, you may you may get Texas one year and Oklahoma one year because because I, I and I think that's nice for the SEC championship game, um, and also your old misses and you know because like okay if you're South Carolina what you're trying to do right now under Shane Beamer is you're trying to get back to being a contender not necessarily winning your division uh, you've fallen behind some teams Missouri and Kentucky maybe Tennessee you got you got to get past that you know that's your goal and then. You get there, and sometimes Florida's down. Sometimes you beat Georgia and stuff. And so, so the the year you get it, you get to go to Atlanta. Great. If you're Missouri, you're looking to get back to those two years where things broke your way and the division was down, and you won the SEC East. If you're Tennessee, you're just looking to get back. You know, uh, if you're Kentucky, you've worked all this time to put yourself in a position to where, yes, in, in one magical year where the stars aligned, your program's on solid enough footing to go to Atlanta. All that is out the window if Alabama and Auburn move to that division, and it's an eight-team division. You know, uh, I think if you're Georgia and Florida, you don't want Alabama and Auburn in your division, do you? I mean, Georgia has enough. You know, I know that's their goal is to beat Bama finally, but I mean, that's tough, man. That's easier said than done, and they're not slowing. Alabama's not slowing down, and you know, Auburn will eventually come back up, and eventually come back to the pack, then eventually come back up. I mean. You know, to me, if I'm them, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit salty. Likewise, um, and I heard a scenario the other day that I don't think I don't think will happen, but it's a scenario from a source that knows what he's talking about. You know, so I, I'm not going to completely discount it that the, the Bama and Auburn will stay in the West, and that Miss the two Mississippi's will come East, mm-hmm. and they'll rename the divisions. I don't like that either because. If you're Arkansas or old, if you're Arkansas at that point, you're or Missouri, you know, because Missouri would also go west. That's that's another big thing here, and that's probably why Missouri's not. I mean, their athletic director resigned today, and rightfully so. But uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, that's probably why uh, they're you're not hearing a lot of hell raising out of Columbia, Missouri, because they kind of get to go back to the Big Twelve. But uh, you know, if, if you're one of those schools, you're like, so, so let me get this straight. To win our division, not even the championship, we're going to have to go through Texas. We're going to have to go Oklahoma. We're going to have to go through Texas A&M. We're going to have to go through LSU. We're going to have to go through Alabama, and we're going to have to go through Auburn. You know, so to me, pods make everybody happy because the pods, you know, they're not going to be – it's four teams. You're going to put a, you know, a, a, a have, and you're, you're going to put some want-to-haves and some have-nots all in the pod – and then you just mix it up every year and, you know, your schedule sort of the luck of the draw. And it's kind of fun, uh, in my opinion. So, so I think that's what they should do. And that, that's those two, eight, the whole eight team division thing that, that would bother me if I was the fan, even of the success of the legacy programs in the SEC. Cause I think, you know, you're just, you're just making it like mission impossible for even programs that, 
you know, invest millions of dollars into their, 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 their program. I'll, I'll throw a third scenario at you. And this has been talked about even before expansion. They could just get rid of divisions altogether. They could just do it the way they do in basketball. Uh, you could have 16 teams, sans divisions, the top two teams, the top two records. Those are your two teams in Atlanta. That's the way they do it in the Big 12 now. I realize mm-hmm. there are only 10 teams, soon to be eight. Um, but that's you know that's what they always brag about. Oh, we don't we don't do that divisional stuff. We all play each other, and well, you're not going to be able to brag about that anymore. No. Um, <laughs> but you know, basically, there's always the most the most uh, for lack of a better term, bitched about thing by by the all SEC fans is what the schedule. Yes. Everybody thinks they're on the short end of the stick on the schedule. Schedule, schedule, schedule. Well, um, you're never going to solve that entirely because, again, you're going to 16 teams. I I do believe the league is is eventually going to go to nine conference games. Um, But you're still not going to obviously play everybody in the league. You're not going to have the same schedule as – uh, maybe the team you're battling for first place. So th- there's always going to be that element to it. You're never going to solve that. But there uh, there are some people that believe the best thing to do is just get rid of divisions altogether. And God knows, no matter what you do, pods, divisions, no divisions, get rid of the permanent cross-divisional opponent. Just get rid of it. Get it out of there. Uh, it, there there's only one game now that, that – you really need to insist on and that to me, and that's Georgia Auburn. I don't think anybody's going to lose sleep over the other ones. You think Tennessee fans are maybe a little tired of playing Alabama every year? Yeah, they don't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been too long. I mean, you know. Just stop. I, I don't think Florida and LSU fans will, you know, light a candle in despair if they don't play every year. Like, no, Georgia, those are, yeah, Georgia, Georgia Auburn. That's the oldest Southern rivalry SEC game, blah, 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 blah. You don't get rid of that, not to mention they're a short drive away from one another. But outside of that, there's no game on that permanent opponent list that anybody would cry over if, if it was gone tomorrow. So Florida and LSU don't want to play each other anyway. I mean, right. That was, it's just, that was yeah. something they concocted in the 90s, and it was all, you know – hunky-dory when the Gators were, you know, scoring 50 on LSU and LSU was down and then LSU got good and Florida kind of wasn't and then Florida was good and then all of a sudden there's hurricane rainouts and administrations throwing bar and Jeremy Foley and uh, who who was the guy (laughs) that was at LSU? uh, Shoot. LSU, the AD that was at Duke. Yeah, Avila, isn't it? I'm mispronouncing. Joe Joe of LSU AD Joe Oliva Oliva Oliva. sorry Oliva yeah yeah uh, you know throwing barbs and you know we don't want to play well we're going to play this in Baton Rouge come hell or high water you know and that that just got dirty you know and and I I was told too back when they were redoing the schedule when A and M came in uh, and A and M and South Carolina put a stop to this believe it or not that they wanted out of their game LSU and Florida and LSU was taking the Gamecocks and. Florida was taking A and M, and they were like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait a minute!" You know, <laughs> they were like, yeah, "South Carolina was like, oh, whoa, whoa, we, we, we'll, we'll take A and M." You know, because at the time, A and M was a seven and six team coming from the Big Twelve. Who knew they'd be what they are now? I think you know, people felt like they would be good, but you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And 
Gamecocks didn't want any part of playing LSU every year. Obviously, LSU would rather play South Carolina than Florida. So, so there's always been talk about them not playing. That was that was done in 1992, just because they had played every year. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in Tennessee, Alabama. I'm sure Tennessee would like a break from that one. I know it's the third Saturday in October, and it's tradition. But uh, and things are cyclical and. Maybe at some point, you know, but man, they, they there's only two, that in 20 years. There's only two games they've ever been, they've been even competitive with those guys lately. And, and yeah. none of them have been in Knoxville. And one, Lane Kiffin had them beat and got a field goal blocked. And mm-hmm. the other, Butch Jones had them beat. And Bama had a, a outstanding drive down the field and won. Both of them in Tuscaloosa. But it, and that's the only time they've even had a game. Yeah. So yeah. I nobody's well, gonna cry for the for those games. No. And well, Auburn and Georgia can still play each other under a number of scenarios. Well, yeah. I mean, I, again, if they realign, uh, I would think that certainly they'd be in the same division if they do it that way. Heck, they could be in the same pod. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different. But for me, a lot of that's minutia right now because I, I, I to, to circle back to the main thing. I think it's a good thing for the league. I think it's a good thing for the teams that are in the league. Is it going to get harder for everybody? Yeah. But again, like you got to take the, you got to take the, you know, what with the suite, I, I, there's not going to be a scenario where the league just continues to get better and make more money, but also gets easier because you play weaker opponents like that. Those two worlds don't exist at the same time. They're kind of mutually exclusive. In order to have the best of the best, you've got to play the best of the best. And even if you lose, the beauty of it, unlike uh, so many other things in life, if you're playing in the most profitable, best exposure league, best everything league, even if you lose, you still you still reap all the benefits. Uh, now, everybody wants to win, but you're still going to reap the benefits. Uh, try being one of those teams that has been winning in the big, and it's now left in the Big Twelve. I mean, what, try being Iowa State right now. Who would you rather mm. be? So, anyway, I, I just it, it's a landmine in what a year that is going to. I mean, we're going to talk about this 20 years from now. What 2021 meant to college athletics. It started with with NIL, or I guess technically maybe you could say it started with the transfer portal, then NIL, uh, and now we finally, and we've been sitting on this like Mount St. Helens waiting to erupt once every 10 years. I don't know if St. Helens actually erupts that often, but uh, let's just assume that it does. Let's, let's make that beautiful mountain volcano in lovely uh, northwest Washington State erupt every 10 years and that is our symbol for realignment in college football but we we knew you and i have talked about it other people have talked about it we had at least one more of these things left and now the dominoes fall let the musical chairs begin Uh, if you're in the sec you're feeling pretty good about things if you're the acc you're playing defense if you're in the big 10 you're playing defense if you're in the big 12 you're playing a whole lot of offense if you're in the American, you're playing both offense and defense. If you're in the Pac-12, it's crazy. It's craziness right now. But college football, for all its flaws, is never, ever boring, and it's never been more exciting. So I'm, I'm pumped about all this. And uh, when we're on later this week, we'll actually talk about things that happened at Media Days that didn't involve expansion and contraction and poaching teams and everything else. Uh, but I, I think you and I both felt the need to kind of 
get get on this now because it's such a huge story. Absolutely, and and you know another thing to consider is this, and because there, this is the final point I'll make on this, and it's not a big one. People are like, well, why do they need more money? You know, this you know this is this is silly to to go and you know do this for an extra 20 million a year. And and I think one thing people are missing about all this is, and I see this in, in my market and other markets. Well, when is the athletic department going to, you know, put in a plan for NIL? And well, that's the problem at some places is you depend on your athletic department to do, and they don't have, they don't have anything to do with it. Okay. Athletic departments have contracted with either third parties or players have contracted with agents, and, and that's kind of up to the the boosters, right? Let's just call it like it is, or the businesses that care about so-and-so university athletics to go pre-proactive and make it happen. This isn't something you can funnel through the school. So what is going to happen eventually is, with this NIL stuff, is, is you're going to see boosters – start to funnel money to that. Now, boosters have deep pockets. Don't get me wrong. And, and they have fine, but they, they still have a finite amount of money that they're going to really contribute ultimately to the school they love. You know, they're, they're comfortable giving the 50 grand a year for tickets or whatever. They may give, you know, a few hundred thousand for a major gift, maybe a million if they're loaded. Uh, but, but, you know, these boosters, you know, they, they constantly give, you know, five, six figures a year and some of them and it's going to be it's not going to be the ultra rich it's probably going to be the mid-level guys you know they may decide hey i'm gonna take 25 grand out of this you know 50 i give you every year and i'm gonna funnel it towards nil um and so i think if you're any school you got to look at it and go well heck we just lost about 50 million during the covid year we're fine uh, but we don't really, you know, if our revenue happens to decline because some boosters decline to give money directly to the program and they start funneling through NIL, you know, you have to make that up somewhere. Um, and my point in all that is, and, and I think that is a very down the road thing because most people now don't even have a clue. They're blaming the coaches for not having an NIL plan, all this other stuff. No, it's up to you guys, you know. Um, I think down the road, you know, you do have to look and, and see that, you know, if you do have a uh, a shortage of booster revenue because it's being channeled directly to whoever, you got to make that up somehow. And I'll say this too, final thing, is that a good friend of mine told me you can always use more money one time. <laughs> and uh, I, that's always stuck with me, very simple. And so I don't, I don't know that it's ever enough when you're in a competitive situation. So, so that's the thing there. You got to kind of cover your bases while the getting's good. Yeah, no doubt. And again, you mentioned 50 million. Uh, I've talked to a few ADs in the SEC alone where that number is closer to 80, 85 million in terms of lost revenues. That's why, you, you know, the SEC made a, a, a rather progressive move by basically giving a cash advance uh, what was it? Twenty something million to all the institutions. Basically, that would go against future earnings. But that just goes to show you. I mean, they're not just crying poor. Like literally, these programs lost a lot of money last year. Um, I'll say this in closing: two more things that, that sort of relate to what you just said. First off, Greg Sankey and the SEC—they they've been visibly frustrated with the NCAA system 
and the impending change is coming. There's no uniformity there. It just seems like it, it does feel like the wild, wild West out there because the NCAA spent all their time and financial, uh, uh, muscle into lawyers and trying to fight it as opposed to trying to come up with a system that would best represent everybody involved. So now they're really, they're, they're playing from behind. Um, one of the more significant parts of Texas, Oklahoma being added is with that money you're talking about, it's financial and political clout. So the SEC, I think part of the benefit in all this with that financial and political clout, they can replace the NCAA and who calls the shots for major college sports decisions. I think that's the next move. And this, it's not some, you know, stance on college athletes are being exploited. And it's not, none of that nonsense you always hear on a lot of other shows. It's okay. Clearly the, the, with NIL, things are changing and you've left us in the, in the absolute cold without a game plan. And we're tired of sitting there and, and letting you pretend to be kind of the Barney Fife uh, of leadership here. Uh, we, we, we don't need you. We can do this on our own. Uh, and so when you start building these major super conferences with all that money, even if it's, you know, it, it there's two ways of looking at it. Okay. The, the 16 member institutions, let's say, Right off the bat, they only make a couple extra million a year, maybe five, whatever it is. But the league as a whole is making much more than that, uh, you know, in, 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 in the neighborhood of 100 million to whatever it is. With that comes that clout and they can start doing things the way they want to do them and not have to say, mother, may I uh, not wait for a consensus, quite frankly, with some of the other uh, conferences in college football. So. Uh, I, I think all of that is part of the deal here. I'm so with you there. There is no way anybody from Harvard or Yale or Bucknell or Portland State, uh, I'm going to throw out the academic elites here, as well as the commuter schools or University of South Carolina Upstate, Alma Mater, go Spartans, um, <laughs> or, 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 you know, schools like that. There is no reason any of them need to have anything to say uh, about how Alabama runs its athletic department, no. and and that that's been the holdup for a long time. And you know they did give the the Power Five some autonomy and all that. But you know when when you have that many cooks in the kitchen with that many worldviews, and there's a whole lot a whole lot of smaller programs that are just you know they don't even have football, or they they're praying to get to the the NCAA basketball tournament one day or something, and they're great and whatever, you know, then there are big programs. And, 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 and there, I, I don't, I think that, you know, in, in their, in their um, desire to have an inclusive governing body for all of college athletics, uh, they screwed it up. And I think, and I think that they were so worried about clinging to the power they did have, you know, they weren't willing to, to make some exceptions and understand the X is not Y. Um, and, uh, they're going to end up losing the whole thing. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, and people say, well, is this the end of the NCAA? I, I don't think so. I think what you're going to see is everybody come to a compromise to where 
you know, because right now the NCAA doesn't own college football. They they don't have national championship. They have nothing to do with the TV. They administer college football. And they allegedly enforce the rules. They allegedly make the rules. They have ineligibility and things like that. Um, but, But that's all. They administer the sport. They don't run it. What I think you're going to see is, okay, 64, 65 teams in football, you're no longer under the, the purview of the NCAA at all. Um, yeah. you, you are, And you're going to be run by something completely different. That way and, – and I like that because that way, you know, basketball – you keep the NCAA basketball tournament, you know, which everybody loves and uh, the things the NCAA does do well. Um, and, and I think the other sports can survive – uh, in, in that kind of situation, as long as, you know, for major college basketball, they figure out name, image, and likeness and all that. But it's – uh, I, I think major college football is just too far down the road uh, for the NCAA to to continue to administrate it and, and all that good stuff. I think that, that that's a sport that, are, that definitely just needs its own governing body. The NCAA does a good job of running 88, 89 national championships. Um uh, you know, I get to call uh, a lot of those postseason games and other sports, and the NCAA does a does a great job of organizing formats and brackets and uh, uh, organizing officials and umpires and everything travel. Uh, and that that's there's always going to be a need for that, and there's always going to be a need for a governing body to make sure people are playing by the rules. But but it's it's a it's an outdated model that needs a whole lot of fine tuning. And I think you're going to see more and more uh, break off from that. I do think you threw out the number 64, 65. I hope it stays that high. I hope some of these schools that are, are just sitting there and like watching all the, the lifeboats fill up off the Titanic and they're still sitting there with the, next to the guys playing the violin as the ship sinks into deeper and deeper water. I, I hope they all find a home in the power five, or if it's the power four by then, because as I've said all along, if you're not in that power five, you're essentially a one double a program in football. Uh, the, the resources, it's like an 80, 20 split. Uh, you, you, you're so far behind and it's so hard to compete. If you can't at least stay in one of those conferences one way or another. So I, I hope everybody, I hope those schools that are easy to forget uh, wind up landing somewhere and are not, uh, to use a soccer term, relegated uh, uh, to a lower conference. We said we try to do it within an hour. We might have gone a little bit over. Uh, apologies for that. We'll be back with you later on this week and get back to more uh, other uh, you know, brass tacks type stuff, like the actual season with the teams in the current leagues uh, that they represent. But uh, in the meantime, I'm glad we got a chance to get this through. JC, I know you'll have plenty to talk about with your constituents and uh, you and I will reconvene for another one of these in a few days. So have fun, my friend, and we will talk soon. For J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long for now.